All right, the first thing we have to do is some kind of intro. Okay. So we do um, the Sound Guy Podcast. Sound Guy. Right here with Chris Vieira, my Hi. buddy for a long time. Say what's up. Hey, what's up? So you, like many of us, have a very unique set of skills where you're not really just a sound guy. You have to kind of be a different role, different hat in each one of your events. Um, so explain all your roles in a given work week or a work month associated with production. So like sound guy, performer, that producer, that type of thing. What are your roles? What all hats do you wear? Uh, like you, you kind of said it, I kind of, you know, I, I work at, you know, the Costello Studios joint, you know, um, as a sound, you know, engineer and a producer of sorts. And um, I, you know, fortunate enough to do some session work and get to work with some, uh, some great people there recording music. And uh, then my weekends are full with, you know, um, either running sound places or performing in, you know, various bands. Playing bass. Playing bass. Word. Um, so, from the sound guy perspective, um, what are some of the, like, kind of size rooms and size PAs and things that you're most familiar with? Like, what's your background? I guess, um, you know, like, you know, the honky tonk is a big room. You know, a lot of great experience there getting to. Uh, you know, work with a lot of the national, you know, acts that came through that joint. Um, and you were front of house there for several years, right? Yeah, I did that over there with Bob um, for a couple of years, and that was kind of my first house gig. And, you know, I just ran the next 32 there, just like some powered speakers, you know. Um, with Clay, you know, it's it's Ducky Sound working with him. Um, I get to work work with a little bit more, um, you know, in, intuitive gear, I guess, to say with some line array stuff and some uh, some really big, nice equipment. And he's very smart and does a really a lot of really cool engineering stuff. Just to down from like making you know, cases and stuff that roll so that one guy can do a pretty big gig by himself because everything rolls and latches in a cool way. Yeah, his custom cases are phenomenal. It's He's impressive, the engineering he does for his pack. Yeah, we did some cool stuff there. And then, uh, you know, and that gear is, you know, mostly, you know, you know, digital boards and powered speaker stuff, you know. And he's got some really nice stuff. He's got really great stuff. He does have some of that equipment along with uh, some of the really nice turbo sound stuff is really great, um, along with, uh, um, you know, some other brands and QSC and stuff. And But I think the RCF stuff is really nice. Um, working with the... You know, you know, doing the sound game at you know church on Sunday mornings has been a really fun production. It's all live streamed. It's really, really good. I really like the people involved. That's been a little bit of a newer experience for me. I've really enjoyed it, and the level of professionalism is really high. 
And you're performing there, though. You're not mixing, right? I do uh, a little bit of both. Oh, you do kinda. mix there as well? I do, yes. I've, I've mixed more than uh, play, but uh, I've been performing some as well. That's... It's it's really fun. It's really it's really high level. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, of course, I get to play with Seth and Ben. Yeah, know, and those are you know great guys to be on a stage with. I'm gonna have Ben on the show too because he runs sound quite a bit. I learned a lot from Ben, um, and really, I think that's probably been the kind of my experience. You know, I didn't go to school for this or anything. You know, I just. Um, learned uh and that that's been hi daphne so much fluid please thank you learning from yourself um you know with my you know first experience in the studio being you know with you over in the monster head and calling on you over the years for what does this knob do and then the experience learning from ben and um Aaron Sorderley helped me set up a rig over at the Honky Tonk, that first rig that I set up there, uh, learning from guys like Drew, I mean, um, and of course Clay as well, and just uh, really a conglomerate of really a lot of good, McLean was another guy to learn good stuff from that was a fun guy to work with. I'm probably missing somebody. I'll think about it later, but there's, you know, really. Oh, listen, you don't have to plug everybody on your on your interview either. <laughs> this won't be the only time I ever interview you. Just learning from all of those guys. and. Uh, so what do you, on your church rig that you're currently working on, do you guys do more ears or more wedges? or have all work? ears. Everybody's all ears. on ears. And, uh, you know, that's cool. Um, you know, I, I, I still really like bringing a bass amp. I know a lot of... You know, sound guys and uh, bass players have gotten away from it. There are, there has been a couple of times having the option, especially if it's like a really hard load in or something. It's nice to just start. Right, I'm just going to go di and use my ears. You know, um, I feel like it's not quite the same experience. You know, it's just that atmosphere of sound on stage with the bass amp. You know, I just enjoy it. But I also know that the experience isn't really necessarily always meant for me as the player, as I'm being hired to perform, so leave your amp at home, pal, and like go do your ears and you know, make it good for everybody else. So. Yeah, but you don't carry like a flight case 410 or 810 with the head or anything like that. No, anyway. that's just that, 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 that mic, that Mark bass combo. Yeah. Um, that, that, the 210s? You know, this is 210s guy. And DI out, it's a great amp. I love yeah, those things. It's a fine amp. It's a fine amp. Um, but yeah, I, I don't disagree about having amps on stage, even as a sound guy, um, as long as uh, the volume is appropriate for the room. And I actually, we actually did a whole episode about stage volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was ready for that. Um, you know, I got to say, as a sound guy, when every, when everybody walks in, if they get you know Kempers or whatever uh, they are, um, it it does make it for an easier, cleaner sound experience for the the quote-unquote customer, if you will, the listener, however you want to kind of say that. Yeah, because it's all PA. It's all PA. There's just, there's just kind of like one less thing making noise, you know, or one less thing to go wrong to. I mean, um, you know, it's probably all of us at one point have had a band where you're like, man, this would be probably be better if the the guy's amp was just not so loud, you know, oh, yeah. like, 
uh, could just have the mix could just be perfect if this one, you know, guitar player or bass player or whoever just didn't have to have their amp so damn loud, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. Um, I did a show at um, at the building that you, the Tiki Taco is in now. Yeah. Several several bars ago, but same stage. Um, not as good a PA as you put in there, but uh, the guys had half stacks. They were from upstate, and it was like a five or six band bill. And the headliner was the only one that I got the sound check. And of course, they knew what they were doing. And they carried a pack, and they were very professional and cool. And they appreciated the fact that the club provided a guy that knew how to do it. And so they were in a great mood, and they were very easy all night. But this opener from upstate was invited by the promoter I guess and they didn't have any friends here and they didn't really give a crap and so they had their amps turned up like to 10 and you couldn't even hear the symbols on the kit much less the PA system like you know what I mean like Jesus. the amps were so loud next to the drum kit that standing on stage you couldn't hear the symbols on the, of the drum kit all you could hear was these two guitar amps and it's kind of like a point where you had to throw your hands in the air because there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they thought it was great. And the crowd literally left throughout their set because they just couldn't handle the SPLs in the room from the guitar stacks. Yeah, I mean, I guess, oh, man, it's tough to say. I get, you know, it's just the this circuit that we're in, you know, Sometimes they deal with it. When I was booking at the place that uh, it used to be Dockery's, we kind of had like a like an email kind of situation that would go out to you know everybody that was going to play. And at one point, I think I started kind of putting it in there, like just really politely, kind of be like, "Hey, there's going to be you know families eating dinner, you know, expensive steaks like ten feet away from you." So like here's kind of the expectations on your drums or whatever. In that situation, it worked out fine. People just got it, I think, because the play, it was a pretty nice place. And I think, I think people kind of just got it there and bands didn't like never really overplayed the room, you know, and the drummers probably got it rough, you know, as a, somebody that's not a drummer, but I can understand it's, you know, man, it's gotta be tough to kind of pull back, you know, like when it's just, how about you just change the way you play, have been playing for 10 years to appease everyone else. But, you know, it's, it, it, it's even more difficult for like, you know, quote unquote weekend warrior type and some people that are doing it because they really love it. Not to say that I don't love it, I do love it. Um, but maybe somebody that's not quite a hired gun kind of thing or whatever, they'd really do it because they love it. And then they get to a place and they're told to like, turn your amp down or yeah. don't hit so hard or and they're just like man i worked my nine to five all week so i could come out here and make you know some scratch and play drum play drums to my, some of my favorite songs like i'm gonna hit it however i want right. you know? like it's like and another thing too is you get your package your show the way you want it you've rehearsed it with your group for so long and then when they ask you to dial your energy back it feels like you're kind of like spinning your wheels because you can't put forth your show at 65%. Yeah. You know, I've been in those situations too, especially with Mary Tree. Part of Mary Tree was being powerful and loud, you know? Sure. It's like, but you can't go do that at the, at the Wild Wing Cafe chain right. all night, you know, because you're going to get complaints. Um, 
So it's just that kind of thing is, is you know, always a concern. You know, I saw some bands at that old trolley pub, right? Yeah. The place that Cali books yeah. over there. And, uh, I mean, they're, like, just going as, as ham, everything's cranked up. It's yeah. just, like, one of those places. You're and allowed to get I, loud in I there. thought it was going to be awful. I was like, oh, man, not to say anything negative about the bands or the sound guys or anybody else. It's like, oh, this is probably going to be a terrible sounding room. And it was fine. It's a great like, room. I was like, oh, man, you know what? I, yeah, I like that room because it's long and narrow, and so it's really loud at the stage, but it's not loud at the bar because it's the other end by the entrance. And I think you can stand anywhere in that bar where it's comfortable for you. You can stay in that part of the bar the whole night. Yeah. You know? It's like if you want it loud, go up to the stage. Sure. And it's there. But if you don't want to be blasted by our a metal band, the bar yeah, you can go play pool, and it's not half as loud in the middle of the room. I helped Chris Terry put a light ring in there for um, a, a, a gig that Callie kind of landed for us to um, put up. And the light show in there is sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris did a good job with the programming on it. I helped him hang it all up. And whoever did the trussing was awesome. I was like hanging from the thing. I was like, I was like, oh man, they did a really good job tying into that roof. Chris is also the sound guy at My Father's Mustache, so we're going to get him on the show. He does the same rig, the, the X32 with yeah. the four monitor mixes and yep. subs and tops, you know, basic bar rig. Yeah, the same kind of thing we got going on at the Tiki Taco joint, and uh, we've been about six to eight weeks, I think, in booking that place and have had some really fun bands through. And uh, that JBL PRX series stuff, is I've been really pleased with it. Yeah, I like that room too. It's another scenario where it's loud up front, and then yeah. if you go to the middle of the room where front of house is, it's a nice talking volume. And then at the bar, you can order drinks or hang out, and you don't have to be screaming, blasted by the bands. Yeah, that's it's a problem for a lot of people. So, what are some of your favorite shows that you like? What was the coolest show that you got to do as a sound guy? As a sound guy. Oh, man. I mixed uh, Lanco at Honky Tonk, and that was a lot of fun. I was on that call. I think that was one of my like first kind of, here's a national, figure it out. They and they were, just, they were just getting on they the road just, as a, an act. They were just, they just had, I can't remember the name of the hit they had, but they just had a hit, a hit single. I think they're coming to the jammer. I, I had played with Paige at the Carolina Country Music Festival that year and they were the head they were one of the headliners and then like a month later i was running sound for my honky tonk and, that uh, show is actually on one of my lists and i'll tell you why because it was a very shitty cold day remember yeah and it was rainy or something and yeah. they and it was a mad early call for us it was like a 10 a.m or 11 a.m call or 9 a.m call or something where we had to add additional pa or something i can't remember why yeah, we was, had to be they're so early, but I do Every remember time. the band coming off of their bus, and I was like, damn, I smell coffee, man. It'd be nice to have some of that coffee around here, and one of their guys looked at me, and he was like, you want a coffee? And he went back on his bus, and he made me a coffee, and it was a great cup of coffee, because it was so nasty out. Nice. And then, at Soundcheck, I realized it was the lead singer. Oh, how about that? The lead that? singer went back on the bus, like five seconds off of his bus. To make you a coffee. To make me a coffee, because it was a shitty day, and they were just pulling up. 
And I was like, man, you're going all the way, bro. That's the kind of guys that everybody <laughs> looks forward to working with on the next time through, you know? I do remember that story now that you mentioned it. That was cool. And yeah. they were very, very cool. Lauren Hall opened the show, and she uh, was able to build a relationship with them. I believe she ended up going down and opening for them up at the music farm the next nice. time. So there's like a lot of good feels kind of in that that one particular show. I, I think one of the most memorable experiences I had working in production, I was uh, on a call for Revolution. Oh wow. And it was, um, I was working with Andy DeLeon a lot and he was kind of um, taking me under his wing with some kind of showing me some of the lighting stuff and he had me do a couple of lighting shows at the farm that were a lot of fun. Yeah, the lighting guru. And uh, this was out of the uh, North Charleston, um, What's the park? It's the big park by oh, the by the, the bridge, wa uh, waterfront park, waterfront or Charleston park. waterfront park, yeah, right? I think something that's like it. that. And uh, I need mean, we had to go up on the lift for uh, oh I was gonna run in a spotlight. That's what it was. Oh nice. And Andrew was like, hey, I'm gonna put you up here with um, this guy. You know, and he turned around, and it was this guy Raheem that I went to high school with, and hadn't seen since high school. Oh wow! But it was it was such a cool hang. We played like you know some of the sports together and stuff. And I was like, Oh, Raheem, what's up? He's like, Yo, V. Raw. He's a he's a rigger. Yeah, awesome yeah, dude. He's like a head Very, rigger for yeah, the union. Cool dude. And uh, so that, that was cool that we got to hang for a minute. And then um, you know we had a slice of pizza, and then we went up on the in, on the lift, and we're running the spotlights, which is really kind of fun to do because. You get the call through the the camera, whatever. It's like hit the saxophone player, and boom, you hit the the spotlight on him, and it's just like like shining a light on, him, like a flashlight on a mouse. It's like they're scared. They're like, oh man, you got him. You know, what I mean? yeah. it's like a lot of fun. But it started raining, and uh, it was starting to rain pretty heavily, and uh, there was a a couple of big lasers coming, maybe like ten feet or twenty feet or so above the band's head that was coming across the, the crowd. And there was like a lot of fog and stuff coming up. So the audience kind of disappeared in that. And it looked really kind of, it was a really strange look for being up there, but for uh, Raw and I, it looked like Revolution was playing for just us. Oh, nice. That's awesome. This is a, we got the a, bird's eye view. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a cool experience up there. Very cool. There's your uh, audio assistant, Daphne. Yeah. We were in the studio the other day um, working on the guitar shop, and it was so funny when you told her to plug the SM57 into patch bay 3, and she grabbed a patch cable and started plugging it into your patch bay, and I was like, that is so cool. I got it on video. Uh, <laughs> she loves the patch bay. She loves just plugging the chords in and out. She loves playing drums. Uh, she plays guitar. She asks for it all the time. Daddy, Daddy, can we play? Can we play guitar? Can we play drums? So as soon as she saw a microphone, she was like, Daddy, look at this. I was like, yeah, that's cool, right? So, uh, you know, she'll have the opportunity to do, um, you know, whatever she wants with music. And also, like I told you a few days ago, she's like, Dad, I just want to be uh, anything else. So I will t fully support that as well. You know, whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, Parenting is awesome. So, uh, what kind of advice do you have for um, the, like the new guys coming up on digital consoles and um, dealing with house rigs or their their first nightclub house gig as a sound guy? 
we're really so lucky now to, there's just so much information available online, you know, on YouTube, you could really, you know, anytime I take a gig and there's a board I haven't worked on before, I just like watch the YouTube videos on it until I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk in and know how to do this. Yeah. So do your homework on that stuff, get familiar with it, be there early, get there way before the band gets there so you can get set up and you can like check your lines and stuff before they get there. Just that hecticness of you know somebody setting up a drum set and setting all the stuff and you're trying to run cables around like get there early you're get get ready to be there you know first the first one there last one to leave is the sound guy and um that's a good one the first one there last one to leave i think the the best sound people that the that i've worked with were all we're all players if you, yeah. if you can be on both sides and really you know that's kind of been the you know the thing for probably a lot of us is where like you just got to keep your calendar full and i just want to take the best gigs that pay the most money so i can do this for a living um uh, so that you you know the experience so you can look at it and be like that guy's not enjoying his mix something's wrong or just having the couth to deal with somebody if they are having a bad day or um you know, because it's so hard to like, you can't tell somebody they're wrong when they're like, I can't hear it, <laughs> you know, and yeah. you're like, and you were standing next to be like, dude, I can hear it. But like, you're not in their head, you know, so just having that wherewithal to kind of be able to f make a situation better um, for someone else, like you kind of have to have been in it before, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, why isn't this? Oh, maybe it's something simple, like the wedges is pointed at the dude's knees, and I just need him to back up like two feet, you know, or um, or, or he's just like in a weird spot. There was that spot at the honky tonk, in that stage left, kind of like upstage, where like it just didn't matter if you had ten wedges over there on you. Yeah, like, you weren't it's gonna in a hear corner of the anything. building. You were just not gonna hear anything there were times um on um advancing shows when i would like be like it's, you know looking at the stage plot and i'm like hey this keyboard player he's on ears yeah cool all right good yeah like, you know because it gets so loud you're built not going to be able to hear anything over there it's just not possible <laughs> you know and i probably you know i probably fought some people on that until i played in that corner and was like Oh man, they were all right. This yeah. is crazy. <laughs> this is I can't. This just sounds like I'm underwater. You know. Yeah. But um, so I would say, you know, some of those things. Just put yourself in the in their in the shoes of of both parties, the musician that's on stage, and then you know the sound guy as well, and try to just get through and have a good show. You know. And I think I heard you kind of say before, like some of the more difficult ones are the artist on the way up or on the way down and i certainly have yeah experience. as far as personalities that think they you owe them something or that you're little and they're big yeah. it's always x on the way up or on the way down yeah i definitely have experienced that some as well pay scales work like that too like um you mentioned taking the best paying gigs and keeping your calendar full get used to the idea that your week is going to swing by a thousand dollars one way or another over text message before you land on anything oh yeah so you're constantly like one minute you've got four dates in a row and you're going to make a grand or two and then like 
three hours later, something moved from somewhere, other show, and another guy got switched, and then the whole thing falls through, and now you're short. Or you go a whole weekend with one gig, and and it's in the middle of a, you know, where when all your bills are due or whatever, like those fluctuations throughout seasons and things like that. That took me several years to get used to that anxiety you know it is a weird it is, it's like i don't know if there's any like other at least not for me there hasn't been another industry like it where where it's like that you know feast or famine feast or famine the and studio also, and live is that way like it's almost an afterthought sometimes for the and i and i it's something that i dislike about the business and that it's a little bit of an afterthought sometimes where like oh we're just the band canceled or, oh, we're going to move the band or we're not going to do this event. I'm like, man, I was like kind of planning on earning that money. You just, you, do you even realize that you just took work away from me? Like, yeah. it's not even a thought. Like, um, but, you know, I, I, and, and I would tell anybody that's coming up or getting into it, just be, you know, being prepared for that um, just means that, you know, you know how to kind of, you know, CYA and be, you know, ready real quick to fill up your calendar with something else. And, yeah, and thick skin. And thick skin. Because people will fuck you, and it, and it has nothing to do with them liking you or not. Yeah, like I said, it's like an afterthought. Hey, we're not going to do this event. Oh, man, like I was, you know, planning on working that, you know. But <laughs> I guess just, what I try to do is be, um, you know, just try to do it all, you know, so I can... I can go pick up a gig on bass, or I can go pick up a gig at the studio, or I can, you know, uh, or go run sound at this joint or something, or, um, or you know, jump, you know, to kind of dive into the booking world, or just anything that can um, keep me, you know, busy enough to where I'm not at the mercy of anybody's canceled gig. You know? Yeah, like, it's all one thing, right? Yeah. If you book your venue and you show up and you book your bands and you play, it's like. Yeah. It's a win, right? I'll but you do don't it. get to do that every single week either, unless you own the place, and then you got a whole another page of problems. A whole other page <laughs> of problems. Well, that's cool, man. Well, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add on your way out of the Sound Guy podcast's first interview? No, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for bringing me on the show, and thanks for talking to me about it. I've been enjoying listening to it. Right on, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to. Ask me some questions. You want to plug plug the guitar shop before we before we go? Opening the guitar shop soon. It's going to be below Costello Studios on Bacon's Ridge Road, twelve forty six and a half. Uh, the coolest address ever. Uh, ever. Uh, Sound Power Music. Um, Jordan Costello and myself and Dwayne have all put our forces together. Um, it's going to be a full on guitar shop, pro audio shop, accessories joint, and uh, we're really excited about it. it. Should be open on September first. Hell yeah, man. Well, I thank you again for coming on, bro. I can't wait till till this airs. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, brother. All right. Sound Guy Podcast. Peace.